we are talking with David and Holly, who are uh, members of the Discord, contributors to Do Not Research. Our previous co-host, uh, Margot, is out because of a uh, Wi-Fi issue this evening. So it's going to be the three of us, but we have plenty, plenty of research to go over this evening. Okay, and tonight we're going to talk about the Milk Wars. Our previous episode was about the topic of Lindy, where we overviewed uh, Nassim Taleb, Paul Scalis, and the Raw Egg Nationalist. Some of those characters may come up tonight. Coincidentally, possibly coincidentally, possibly completely our doing because all of internet culture is downstream of the cell, uh, the New York Times had their own profile of Lindy and Paul Scalis maybe three or four weeks after we did it. So should we take all of the credit or like 80% of the credit? I think we should take all the credit. It doesn't matter if it's not true, but I think when you're, when you're trying to build a brand, we have to... Uh... It's more, you, you, we're kind of hyperstitioning it, you know, we're kind of just like, we're going to give ourselves the credit, I think. We did hyperstition it, yeah. Holly, what do you think about showing the actual doc on the stream this evening? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, it's some, it's, it's a lot of pictures. Some of it's a little wordy, but you know, and I included links so that you could click it if you wanted to open up into another tab, but yeah, feel free to show it. Okay. Cool. Yeah, some of them are necessary to click into okay, to get like the context for especially like the original beef between Milk and Not and Oatly. Totally, Oatly. totally. Yeah. Uh well let's let's lay like a, a loose foundation for, for this conversation. There is um a, a few topics that circulate in the internet discourse, most notably on conspiracy and right wing communities online, talking about Chemicals in the water, turning the frogs gay, talking about um, endocrine disruption chemicals, EDC, and, uh, and things like this. That modernity is literally feminizing the men. And uh, it seems that one of the hangups in the last few years is that there is this knee-jerk reflex for people who are liberal or progressive or whatever to outright dismiss those things as being pseudoscience made up. Uh, works of fiction or whatever. And absolutely, they play on anxieties. But in the last week in the research that I've been doing, I've been tracing back, like, who is the researcher behind this? Like, where did these studies come from? And they're all from coastal elite liberal universities like Berkeley and Harvard and Mount Sinai. And um, one is tempted to, in retrospect, look back at the last few years of discourse and just see how things were faultily partitioned in a way that lost really important territory that like if there is factory runoff or chemicals in the water that are having negative effects on human fertility uh, and reproductive health this should be one it's not esoteric it's not made up it's not spiritual it's not mystical it's literally material uh, believe science. Believe science. Yeah, <laughs> like actually, that is the argument. Like we should just believe science. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I feel like the third rail that we can touch is to legitimately engage in these things and um, help to force them as a point of conversation. That one creates the pathways and the funnels between left wing discourse and and right wing discourse, where a lot of people seem to be winding up, but also. Um, just really like reframe the discourse in a way that these these institutions that are linked to the interests and the donors of the Democratic Party seem unable to really properly talk about. So that's I think that's enough of an intro for me. 
And yeah, maybe I'll, I'll throw it to you guys. What about opening thoughts for, for how to frame this conversation? Sure. Um, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of actual research to back up a lot of this stuff. And I think you one, one might not expect that the people that post about this stuff, especially people who are overtly aligned with like far right politics, even like national socialist politics, you don't expect them necessarily, one might not expect them necessarily to be so rigorous about like citing sources. But if you like, we're going to look at the Oatly Milkanaut, the right wing programmer who stands milk more than anyone I've ever seen online, probably when he was in that thread, he was just linking scientific studies. So like, there's, there's plenty to draw from to like make these arguments. And obviously, like, there's like a sociological like dimension to science where it's, it's a process of like discovery. But at the same time, there's sort of like a liberal dogma around believing science, which kind of makes it a really good strategy for them to be like, well, I'll say I believe science. I have the science and it's telling us that like modernity is turning us into bug men, which is a, you know, if they have that in their back pocket, it's easy for them to make pretty compelling arguments. Right, right. Yeah, I uh, pretty much as far as framing, I think you guys got it correct. It's weird that like somehow diet and nutrition and these kinds of things have been kind of coded, at least online, they've been coded as this like inherently reactionary and right wing thing. It sort of goes along with that sort of rightward funnel. Um, and it's only, for the most part these days, it's only like from the right. It's like from like the far weird bad right, you know, <laughs> kind of with our project, uh, or just people of the left in general to ignore these things, uh, is only to our detriment. Yeah. David, can I ask you, um, can you check your mic input? Because you, oh no, it sounds like I'm, you might be coming through the, the built in rather than the, the actual mic or, or something, but I mean, I can hear you, but usually I feel like you had better quality before. So I wonder if it's just like clicking a different button, but um, I just, I want to echo what you were saying that I feel like essentially what we're trying to do is avoid a certain discursive hazard that uh, people will be familiar with a, a famous study that comes out around, I think, 2017, that statistically, if you believe in one conspiracy theory, you are more likely to believe in other conspiracy theories. Uh, that the probability increases that if you believe in one thing, like <laughs> you are more likely to believe in child slaves on Mars or, or you know, total made up nonsense. But um, particularly in this in this era of institutional legitimacy being hollowed out and not being able to trust the experts because the experts are have clearly at this point been folded into a political project. If the only person that you can find who is pushing the topic of phthalates in the water supply, which are having undesirable effects onto reproductive health, if the only people who talk about that are literally fucking Nazis, <laughs> then this is a major discursive problem, because it seems like everyone else is in a league is corrupted, and that those people are actually the only ones who can tell you the truth. So this is one of those nodes that has to be fiercely contested. Otherwise, you're literally sending people to the right. And we've had you know, to quote the meme of the last few years, uh, I think the knee-jerk reflex is when the right calls somebody a soy boy, it's to contest that and be like, no, no, soy is like made up and fake. And actually, like I was reading this week, a pretty extensive study from literally Harvard, which is where all of the Democrats go to school about soy having uh, estrogenic and anti-estrogenic effects. And um, 
isoflavins versus fermented soy and, and all of the different ways of studying it. So I think it's important to have a pro-complexity stance on on these issues and not cede that territory to our political enemies or we're just doing their work for them. But I think that's plenty of a preamble. Why don't we... I feel like I have a few things that I can throw out here, but I want to hand it over to Holly to give us maybe an intro to the background and to seed oils. And I'll pull this up on the stream now so we can all see it. How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. How do I sound? Um, There it is. Much better. better. Yeah. Let me turn you down now. That's what it was. Was it just like you were coming through the built-in mic or something? It was something like, yeah, I thought I thought me and Holly did a whole thing before, but I guess I failed. Uh, doing that it might but yeah have been i would disc- yeah you sound great now cool oh yeah yeah i would say even you think about what how much better conspiracy theories are now like even just like with true and on i mean just something you know and yeah. i think they do a pretty good pro complexity take that will pull a lot of people out of that thing because all conspiracy theory literally turned nazi in like 2014 or something so anyways enough preamble we have a whole document here. It's we've, like got a, it. we've got a doc, a, yeah. <laughs> very insane. Like, clap, like, shouts out to Holly for this. Yeah, it's... Holly, really, thank you for your service. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of background to that we could get into, but I think the most immediately relevant to talk about first would be sort of the, like, right-wing bodybuilder sphere. I think the easiest person to point to as having led that um, movement would be Bronze Age Pervert. And I'm I'm sure a lot of people are like fairly familiar with him, but um, he's a trad, a trad guy. He advocates lifting, becoming like extremely like handsome. (laughs) The BAP sphere was sort of maybe where the bug man term like originated, which as everyone's probably heard by now, live in the pod, eat the bugs, basically. It's like, right. we're like this, like neoliberalism and like modernity sort of interchangeably for these people. Like it's going to cause us to like live in a dystopian like world where we're all like basically dependent on the state or like, or corporate and or corporations. It's kind of like the third position sort of thing where like they critique capitalism too. Yeah, also and... Bugman, Bugman because the because these are very physically oriented gentlemen. Bugman is like physical shape, like you have like a big thorax, big belly, you're all hunched over, hmm. you know, oh, kind of sure. working at your computer, right. doing all this kind of stuff. So I think it's, but I think it's all, I think it's that's a component of it too. Or at least yeah. I always picture mm-hmm. that. It is a very like it has a very visceral like very visceral image, just like just and it's like it's the implication that it's like they're less than human. They're just like these sort of like mindless like consumers like who subsist off of like factory farmed food with like a ton of additives and like it's like these chemicals are like addictive and like they are essentially like slaves to modernity. Right. Um, and so right. someone like Bronze Age Pervert would advocate for like returning to a more a pre existing lifestyle that is a lot not only a lot freer, but just like for various for various philosophical reasons for these people like you can read his book but like you know it's it's it has a lot to do with like being like there's like a sense of like what the world should be and like that like exists outside us sort of and like we should like sort of strive to like achieve that like this these like ideals like the ideal of like what what a man is for instance 
So then you have you have Bronze Age pervert. He wasn't really the first. He definitely was like talked a lot about um, lifting and tanning. Like he's really into just like getting handsome. But th- and then you have this guy Solbra who sort of emerged from the same sphere. And I think Solbra was maybe um, one of the first brought like nutrition into it really heavily. So like we talked about um, raw egg nationalist on. The last time that me and David were on, but he's literally releasing cookbooks. And Solbra, you know, there's oh, a really? Solbra cookbook. So it's, it's also this bundling of it with like lifestyle. Like you, they they have a lifestyle product, like a lifestyle brand too. It's about the whole the whole lifestyle basically, like the supplements you eat, like your diet, and you know your your like like your lifestyle, like sunning your taint and sunning your balls and shit. <laughs> Don't forget the um, asshole. Don't forget and the your asshole. asshole. Well, let's okay. So, so there's a cookbook. There's like a lifestyle of stuff. There's certain things you're supposed to consume. Just broadly speaking, what is the problem that why can't you just go to the grocery store? Like, what do they say is wrong with the things that you would just buy off the shelf? Why do you have to get their stuff instead? Well, these obviously these um, you know whatever you want to call them, like these elites, they don't like. They don't actually care about your health. They just want your money. They just want they want you to be like a pa- like a passive subject. So you really like can't trust like you just can't trust them. And it's better to like self determine sort of. Yeah, there's an element of like Lindy Lindiness to this as well. You know where it's like, oh, all this stuff that's made in modernity. It's like be the most efficient, be the most effective thing possible. And I think in the you know, early modernity, you could say that maybe they didn't know any better and they're just like even anything that would be, they just ignore because of profits, you know, but making mass produced food, making uh, packaging that could uh, be cheap to ship and cheap to make and could hold things, hold things hot, hold things cold, blah, 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 blah. Um, totally. But yeah. So, but that like, there clearly is, you know, issues with all this stuff. So I think that for a lot of these Solbra type guys, I don't even know. I don't have any of them actually done the like Alex Jones make a supplement company thing. I'm not sure. Yeah. So oh, they have. Solbra, okay. Solbra has made supplements. He has, you know, pre workout type things. Okay. Yeah. Solbra is the Paul Scholas of Baps Taleb, is what I'm can i throw in a little bit of context here just for as we as we dive into this for the supplements and the the meal plans and whatever um but there's a, a recurring theme that i uncovered in the research in the last week which is that essentially what capitalism is really good at is finding ways to sell things that would otherwise be waste products so the first, uh, because it's it's literally on the screen now, it's reminding me of it, but um, previous to 1907, this is going way back, cotton seed oil, which is the first uh, use for a seed oil, is considered a toxic waste, that it's not even used in animal feed. It's just a, a runoff, it's a byproduct of industrial production. And then Procter & Gamble in 1907 invent the process of hydrogenation. Like that, that hadn't existed before. And hydrogenation makes this liquidy oil into like fluffy margarine. So now it's kind of like lard. You can cook with it. You can put it into food. You can do other things with it. And it goes from being a toxic waste to being something that is very quickly put into many, many different food products. Also because it's cheap and easy to make. 
And uh, if you pick up the ingredients for anything that's on the shelf, there's a high probability, maybe it's not cottonseed oil specifically, but there's a high probability that there's some type of a seed oil, there's some type of hydrogenated oil that's used in that production. There's a similar thing for phthalates that maybe I'll just I'll throw this into the, the preamble as we look at these things, because I, I want to get to a second point here in a second. But phthalates, which I think we'll define as we get into the plastics, it was originally a uh, industrial byproduct of refining oil. So uh, previous to World War II, previous to massive global trade of fossil fuels, phthalates literally don't exist. They're produced by accident in the process of refining crude oil into fuel, into gasoline and everything else. And then they find out it's actually really useful to uh, put this chemical into plastics and it makes them flexible. Um, that's used for a lot of packaging and, and whatever. But um, these two examples, these are two major examples of what we would call broadly a xenoestrogen, which is a synthetic or natural chemical that imitates estrogen. So you've probably heard of a few of these. Phthalates, one of the more notorious ones, uh, BPA, stuff like that. But these are these are things that were produced by accident. And then entrepreneurs, <laughs> entrepreneurs found a way to sell them and, and make something useful out of them. But there's, there's essentially like two uh, different types of analysis that have to be used here. That's like, one, people are finding ways to sell things that would otherwise be waste, pursuing a profit motive. Or what I think the um, the Solbra and the BAP analysis would be is that the elites are not just pursuing profit. They are specifically looking for ways to make the population docile and weak and controllable and domesticated. And that's actually leads you to very different conclusions. So coincidentally, if while pursuing the profit motive, we end up putting things in food that have you know, air quotes, feminizing effects on the men, which we'll get into detail about the taints later on, that the, the profit motive versus making a domesticated and controllable population uh, leads you towards very different ends. Those are right and left interpretations, which are mutually exclusive. Is that is that a fair summary for this? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Definitely. Um, there's a lot of like, I'd say that probably more so for the right they will draw more from the critique of capitalism. I don't think necessarily as many left-wingers are going to draw from the, the right-wing side, but definitely some of these more true right-wingers or like true like national socialist type people. Yeah, like, like tradition, traditionalists. Yeah. They're anti-capitalist as well, you know. Well, I mean, <laughs> I might take them to task on a few of their definitions, but that's just... Sure. I mean, how many volumes of capital do you think they've read in total? Is it like you know zero or no one or <laughs> I don't think, yeah i don't think they're actually schooled yeah, but yeah. They, they they will they will they will go in that rhetoric you know whether yeah, it's in, it as a device yeah whether yeah, it's in yeah. good faith or not is questionable but i have seen them do that of course but yeah they definitely <laughs> do the both you know it's it, it's funny because there's always like the examples of something like cornflakes or whatever, which is like a Wikipedia level, like not a conspiracy theory. And it's just, it, it, but from the perspective of the people at the time, like who, the guy that made cornflakes, he was like, oh, guys are too horny. And that's like the, the worst part about civilization is that you have horny guys that are like angry and horny and rape mm -hmm. and do all and drink and do all this bad stuff. So I'm going to make this product that like uh, makes them less horny 
And that was like the goal of cornflakes, you know? And then, you know, yeah, a hundred years later, uh, I don't know. I, I ate cereal every day pretty much for breakfast <laughs> when I was a kid, like a little cuck. And, uh, I don't know if it worked or not. I don't remember. I don't know how I, it does look like guys were like way more intense back then, but who knows? So it's interesting to, you can see both conclusions and it could even be like a thing of like a, a capitalist thing where they like, they just don't care. It's like, oh yeah, well it also, oh, it also maybe potentially makes, like, I, I bet that they just didn't even know, like in early modernity, they didn't know about shit, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't think they knew about any of this stuff. They were kind of like space age. They thought in like 20, 30 years, they were all going to be on the moon and shit. Like they literally thought that and that everyone's going to be eating pills and like science was going to uh, take over all of tradition and all this kind of stuff. And they were just wrong about all that stuff. So I could see it just being a thing of ignorance and then maybe some people being malice in those positions, but more of just a capitalist profit situation. Right. That's my take. Well, let's, um, yeah, I feel like we could, uh, we could analyze it, but let's, yeah, let's present the doc because we've got, we've got so much material to get through tonight because I've got, I've got many notes for the, um, you know, high T generations a few years ago and and thoughts on that, but let's, uh, let's do the doc and then we'll circle, we'll circle back. Alrighty. So we, I, I sort of like put down some background about seed oil specifically because that's one of the things that is going to come into play with the um, the Oatly debate. If you scroll down in the doc, I have like a Wikipedia, a little section from Wikipedia that's sort of like it is exactly what you said. Like this was this was an effort like made by the industry. Like it was it was pushed by a particular like set of like the agricultural sector in Canada and. They were responsible for like, so before this, like canola oil, as we call it today, it's from a plant called rapeseed. And they were like, we need to like rebrand this so it doesn't have the word rape in it. And we're going to like push this. And since the 70s, consumption of it has increased six times. So it's not Lindy at all. And, And interestingly, because of like the particular time in history that this occurred where this agricultural industry like began to push canola oil it was in the 1970s which was also like there was a lot of stuff changing around the same time and so it's very easy for people to make correlations with that and people who are anti-seed oils it's sort of like an apophenia type thing like you see everything and you're like this relates back to seed oils just to sort of like summarize some of the things people say about it, people that are anti-seed oils claim that it can lead to heart disease, that it can lead to a generalized inflammation, which is kind of like a um, hot button word for a lot of alternative health people. They use like the right. word inflammation. It's sort of similar to toxins where it's sort of like a catch-all. Then you have people that are claiming that it leads to torpidity, which is sort of like literally like a state of hibernation. Some people make the connection that the way your body metabolizes like omega-6 and these particular acids that are in canola oil and stuff like that is like similar to like the type of foods that hibernating animals will eat in the winter and like to like put them into the the state of hibernation. So like to, to some people that some people say we're now they're eating seed oils, we're like literally like asleep. On some level, or like, we're we're, we're being shut down to like a lower like state of activity in our bodies, stuff like that. 
course, you have the endocrine disruption stuff. Um, people connect it with diminished testosterone, just like everything else, basically, that we're going to talk about today. You have people connected with brain disease, cancer, and people. some people believe that we did not get sunburns before uh, seed oils were introduced, which I think that's kind of my favorite one. Wow. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to... Okay. Yeah, I have, I have a funny... Uh, there's a funny tweet that we'll we'll get to. Um, I kind of don't even know what someone... to say about that, but that's... It, yeah. It's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So this, I think I've... I mean, obviously, it's just my subjective, like, what, what I've seen. I've definitely seen seed oils become much more of a trending topic um, online. And, you know, it's there's obviously like pretty good amount of actual research on this, but it, a lot of it is contradictory because that's the way science works. Sure. Yeah. sure. Yet another funny thing is that Taleb has been yelling about seed oils for like 10 years or something like that. Yeah. Like, and since we're talking about 73, I think it's important to bring up a statistic. There's a study published in 2016, maybe it was 17. I have contradictory things in my notes. Um, 16 or 17. And this is from a researcher by the name of Shanna Swan, who is a PhD from Berkeley. Uh, and she is currently the Dean of Research at Mount Sinai. And between 1973 and uh, 2016, sperm counts in the West have dropped by 59%, almost 60%. So Whatever the significance of 1973 was, um, I guess one of the things that is a variable introduced during that timeline is the massive use of seed oils in a lot of our food, specifically canola oil being added into things and hydrogenated whatever in your crackers and your cookies and your bread and, and everything else. Yeah, so soybean oil for sure. That's a big one that gives you a nice buttery flavor. It's mm -hmm. absolutely delicious, but tastes more buttery than but actual butter. But it's completely processed, not not Lindy at all. Let me read um, off just so everyone is familiar with these because seed oils are soybean, uh, cottonseed. We talked about canola. Uh, rapeseed oil is canola. It's it's the same thing with a little bit of a rebrand, obviously, because the name is uh, unpleasant. Sunflower oil, <laughs> sesame seed oil, and grape seed oil. That that one is the actual G with a with a grape in the front. But yeah, so uh, rather popular. But let's um let's press forward, shall we? Let's um yeah. You can go ahead and start scrolling. I yeah. So first off, like in the so like you said, the recent um Scholas article in the New York Times, he name checked seed oils, if you will, as an example of something that is. He, he makes the distinction between things that are, like, there are times when you should and shouldn't apply Lindy. Like, even though, like, chemotherapy is a relatively new practice, like, that doesn't mean we should avoid seeking treatment that way for cancer. But there are, you know, he takes this, he does want to apply it to things that are more consumables. Um, so, like, he uses the example of mouthwash and seed oils. Mouthwash. And that is in the New York Times, so... <laughs> is mouthwash uh, phthalates in there? It's something like that. Mm-hmm. All right, and you can say, so yeah, go ahead and um, scroll on down. The first one is... Well, I linked to a subreddit. There's a whole subreddit called r slash stop eating seed oils. <laughs> yeah. Then we have Soul Bra. We have a, a Twitter thread here. So, yeah, this is like... 
the way a lot of these these people operate is they will make these these big threads and a lot of the time it will be like one retweet equals one red pill on this like you see that with like the um Kaliak type people a lot where it's like that you get people to engage and then also through that like you know it's kind of an excuse to like post these like huge threads but he does kind of just like kind of lay down the facts and he does provide some citations should i read a portion of this uh i know it's quite lengthy but maybe let's do let's just do a part of it okay so uh just i mean responsible platforming here take this with a grain of salt there's going to be some elements of truth and maybe some elements of um i don't know stuff that a guy with a picture of the sun in his pfp would say uh the inescapable scourge vegetable oils parentheses thread did you know you are likely consuming industrial lubricants and have been repurposed that have been repurposed for human consumption through global dietary propaganda and a corrupt seed oil lobby. That sounds pretty legit so far. And we're looking at bottles of what looks like vegetable oil being uh, filled, and then there's like a skull and crossbones on each of the bottles like they're poison. Okay, so the thread begins, some examples of unsaturated oils are soybean oil, corn oil, safflower oil, canola oil. I'm glad I read the thing now because now it looks like I actually did the research and looked ahead because it's confirming it. Um, it was just a Google search. It's not really that complicated. Uh, palm oil and others that are labeled as, quote, unsaturated or, quote, polyunsaturated. I don't really know what that means. I do know what it means if you oh, want would you? Would, yeah, would you tell us? Sure. Yeah. Like fully saturated oils would be that they have a, they're like a stable. So they have hydrogen, uh, hydrogen atoms uh, like around the whole thing. Hmm. Uh, if it's like partially unsaturated, there's like one missing atom. So like a free radical can go in and, and kind of like attach to it. Um, some will be more stable or not stable. Polyunsaturated means there's multiple, uh, atoms that are open in the chemical structure. So it's essentially like, uh, polyunsaturated oils are, you know, they, they kind of like can attract these sort of free radicals, like free radical um, atoms that are floating around in your thing and, and apparently start like some sort of chain reaction. That's what they say. And they kind of stick inside of your cells. This oh, wow. is a very kind of like high level thing, but. I ha- okay, I have heard of that. Yes. Um, yes. Okay. That, that, that registers uh, vaguely. Okay. Well, good. Now, well, now we know. Okay. Polyunsaturated. Uh, okay. Um, I'm continuing on. You will see these oils in most, if not all, processed food. Even artisanal breads will have canola oil or vegetable oil in them if they are mass-produced and stocked for shelves. You must check ingredients. It's wild how many, quote, foods actually have it in them. Almost any modern restaurant slash fast food place will use these oils as the base for frying, cooking in frying pans, creating sauces or oils for marinating. It is impossible to avoid them as they are so much cheaper than using high quality olive oil or animal fats. Okay, yeah, I think my, I'm trying to remember, my folks are, are a bit older. My uh, my parents are now like both 70 and they changed from um, their cooking habits something about... I think they like switch to olive oil from vegetable oil specifically because of free radicals and your chance of cancer increases as you get older. So it's a, a, that's, it's, it's a foggy memory, but I think what David is saying kind of registers on some level. Uh, uh, okay. Continuing on. And, um, Holly, feel free to cut me off whenever I go too far into this, but we'll, we'll try and make some progress. 
Unsaturated oil. When oil is saturated, that means a molecule has all the hydrogen atoms it can hold. Unsaturation means that some hydrogen atoms have been removed, which makes it susceptible to attack by free radicals. Oh, this is okay. <laughs> it really looks like we know what we're talking about because <laughs> I haven't read this before. Free radicals are reactive molecular fragments that occur even in healthy cells and can damage the cell. When unsaturated oils are exposed to free radicals, they can create chain reactions of free radicals that spread the damage in the cell and contribute to the cell's aging. Unsaturated oils, especially polyunsaturates, weaken the immune system's function in ways that are similar to the damage caused by radiation, hormone imbalance, cancer, aging, or viral infections. The material that makes these oils very toxic is the polyunsaturated fat itself. These unsaturated oils are found in very high concentrations in many seeds and in the fats of animals that have eaten a diet containing them. Oh man, remind me to talk about breast milk later on. That was fucking... Oh my god, that that did a number on me this week. These oils are now fed to pigs slash animals, spells it with two O's, animals, in the form of coin and... That's the bath influence. Oh, okay. Oh, is he... I I think that's the bath influence, the sort of like misspelling on purpose, sort of like, I don't really have a good answer for like why... BAP does that beyond just like wanting to seem like a little, sort of like like a troll. Um, I think sort of think that's where that comes from. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Okay. Okay. So stylistically borrowing from uh, the OG. Sure. Animals uh, in the form of corn, corn and soybeans, which causes the animal's fat to be chemically equivalent to vegetable oil. In the 1940s, chemical toxins were used to suppress the thyroid function of pigs to make them get fatter plus eat less. When that was found to be carcinogenic, it was then found that corn and soybeans had the same anti-thyroid effect, causing the animals to be fattened at, at low cost. The animal's fat bec- becomes, excuse me, chemically similar to the fats in their food. Ultimately, all systems of the body are harmed by an excess of these oils. There are two reasons for this. One is that the plants produce the oils for protection, not only to store energy for the germination of the seed. To defend the seeds from animals that would eat them, the oils block the digestive enzymes in the animal's stomachs. Digestion is one of our most basic functions. As a result, all of the bodily systems are damaged by the substances which damage the digestive system. This is eerily coherent so far. The second reason is that the seeds are designed to germinate in the early spring, so their energy stores must be accessible when the temperatures are cool, and they normally don't have to remain viable through the hot summer months. Unsaturated oils are liquid when they are cold, and this is necessary for any organism that lives at low temperatures. These oils easily get rancid, spontaneously oxidizing when they are warm and exposed to oxygen. Seeds contain a small amount of vitamin E to delay rancidity. When the oils are stored in our tissues, they are much warmer, more directly exposed to oxygen than would be in the seeds, so their tendency to oxidize is very great. Oxidative processes damage the body. Uh, seed oils cause hormonal imbalances, all caps. So it's kind of a topic change now, I guess, is where it's section two. Holy shit. Okay, well, actually, we're almost through it. Unsaturated yeah, oils. Is, I was just going to say, this thread is pretty comprehensive. And since if we can just sort of read this one, because then we can skip some of the other ones. We just, after this one, let's just look at the sunscreen guy, because I think that one's great. Mm-hmm. But Okay, um, totally. Yeah. yeah, we're getting we're getting a pretty good uh, education on this so far. Um, 
Unsaturated oils block thyroid hormone secretion, its movement in the circulatory system, and the response of tissues to the hormone. When the thyroid hormone is deficient, the body is generally exposed to increased levels of estrogen. Vegetable oil is recognized as a drug for knocking out the immune system. Vegetable oil emulsions were used to nourish cancer patients, but it was discovered that the unsaturated oils were suppressing their immune systems. The same products in which vegetable oil is emulsified with water for intravenous injection are now marketed specifically for the purpose of suppressing immunity in patients who have had organ transplants. Whoa. Coconut and olive oil are the only vegetable oils that are really safe. Coconut is, I think, the good one. Yeah. But butter and lamb fat, which are highly saturated, are generally very safe, except when the animals have been poisoned. Q. Question. What can I do to offset the harmful effects of polyunsaturated oils? A small amount of these oils won't kill you. It is the proportion of them in your diet that matters. A little extra vitamin E, 100 units per day, will take care of an occasional American restaurant meal. Unsaturated fats cause aging, clotting, inflammation, cancer, and weight gain. Avoid foods which contain polyunsaturated oils, such as corn, soy, safflower, flax, cottonseed, canola, peanut, and sesame oil. Use vitamin E. Use coconut oil, butter, and olive oil. I recommend all of you read the ingredients of your parents slash your food stores and see how many of them contain some manner of vegetable oil. In salad dressings, baked goods, margarines, sauces, ready-made meals, throw them out is poison not food? That's the end of the thread. I have to say, a lot of this sounds very similar to something I, I uncovered. Um, I wasn't familiar with it before. What is it called? I'm just scrolling through my notes here. The EWG, which is the Environmental Working Group, which is um, some type of a NGO that has like a list of things that you should and should not buy. And it sounds, um, I have to say, like pretty consistent from... I'm inclined to believe the guy who has the sun profile is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think he's mostly correct. I mean, I'm sure there are things that are not totally contained in this, uh, but I, I, I thought it was just interesting at the very end there where he said your or your parents' pantry. I'm just like wondering about his audience <laughs> hmm, hmm. in that case. Um, like how many yeah. of these people are kids that follow this stuff? Uh, I know that we know that answer, but it's just it's funny to see it again. Uh, I but, mean, hey, we're we're grown know. adults getting pilled on it too, so <laughs> all ages yeah. are welcome. <laughs> yeah, so Tolbra, you know, it's 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 this it's the strategy of you you kind of you dump science you dump science on people, and it's when presented with all this information about something that you probably don't know about, you instantly snap into the state of like this person it knows more about this topic than me. Um, and so, you know, you're more open to these other messages, which have more to do with like globo homo and shit. And like, it's, you're like, okay, this person like knows, knows more than me, like in general, like. And knows, have... and knows more than his opposites or whatever. Yes. Right. Than their opposites. Right. So about this subject. And that is true. That is part of the problem. But then also it's like all the sort of reactionary traditionalist Nazi stuff is bun is like bundled up, right? We didn't really see that in this thread, but if you look at other threads, I mean, yeah. From Solbra for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but absolutely. this this thread seems 
not dissimilar to just, we're not going to actually scroll through this, but just really quickly, I'm on, uh, for people who will be listening to the audio rather than looking at the, the stream right now, uh, EWG Environmental Working Group, which was a, uh, a liberal uh, NGO uh, recommended from um, Shana Swan. And they have, uh, let's just see, personal care products, household consumer products. Is there one about, okay, food and water and they have like just like lists of things that you can you can scroll through, which is like what contains. Um, let's see, I haven't I, I haven't picked out one of these in advance, but like, can we just get a list of all of like the toxic uh, toxic shit? Not uh, n- not worth diving into, but it sounds it sounds rather similar to like you know foods to avoid that is um, politically neutral at the at the best, you know, like uh, health advice or or for lack of a better Plain. term. It definitely tracks with like kind of old school biohacker community, which is very much like non-political at all uh, that, you know, seemingly draw from these same sources. Mm -hmm. So it it all tracks like all this sounds like things I've heard for years. Yeah. Yeah. So let's take let's take a look at um, at this guy's um, this guy, Puck. He's got a little graphic um, where he. He's drawing some conclusions from a correlation between the introduction of seed oils and essentially when people first first started. Yeah, I was I was kind of like squinting in to see this. This is a pretty wild graph. Oh um, yeah, that graph is crazy too. Yeah. Okay. Give us an intro, and then I'll read it for the for the stream if people can't see. Yeah. So like with these these people, as we saw with with Solbra, like. There's a huge emphasis on the sun and, you know, that we see that with the like mythos around like Hyperborea um, and like these like ancient like solar cults like Evola sort of like made this distinction between solar and lunar cultures where like the solar cultures were warriors and like there were like the northern warriors and like the lunar cultures were like matriarchal and like collective and southern. Um, so the sun, you know, and you see like the black sun too, and like Nazi like iconography. So the sun is like a very, you know, central symbol, but then you have this huge problem with that, which is that if you're, if you, if you and all your friends and, um, Nazi buddies are white, you can't, you can't really be in the sun because you'll get a sunburn. So they sort of have to like find an explanation for this. <laughs> and this person decided it's because of seed oils. There must be some sort of explanation is literally the tweet. <laughs> okay, okay. So hold on. Let me let me read this just so people can um if people can't read it. I tried to zoom in. Uh okay, Puck, whoever whoever this is. Um trying desperately to find the first mention of a quote sunburn in history. I find all sorts of references to tanning and tanning prevention for beauty reasons, but I can't find anything on sunburns before, say, 1900. I wonder why that could be. Okay, so he's trying to peg the uh, invention of hydrogenation to hydrogenated oils being introduced into the Western diet, and then that is why people now sunburn. So the following tweet, that's my guess, that's actually not on the thread, Uh, but the following tweet says, there must be some sort of explanation, and we're going to open up a graph here which says, availability of added dietary fats in the USA, and we have a few different lines. The graph begins at 1909, that's pretty close, and then it goes up to 2009. Okay, so we're spanning 100 years. 
And there are four lines here. Butter remains, um, it's kind of higher in the 20s and then it dips down. Lard also follows, follows a similar curve to butter. Margarine has the inverse where it's, it's low and it goes up. But all of these are relatively low towards the bottom of the grid around like 10 to 15%. And um, the most visible, like steepest increase is the line for vegetable oils, which is basically non-existent in 1909 and then um, meets the others around 10% in 1954. I wonder what happens then. And then it takes like a 45-degree curve up until 1994. What happened in 94? And then it just like skyrockets. It like J-curves and like spikes up. Okay, so he is... How does this prove what he's trying to say? Well, it's just complete correlation. So it's... Does not, okay. but um, <laughs> doesn't even talk about sunscreen on there. Oh, and there's no following he's, tweet. He's creating, he's creating the context here. Oh, I see. Okay. He says that there's, he couldn't find, like, he's he's poured through the literature and couldn't find anybody talking about getting a sunburn before 1909 or whatever. Is that what he's saying? It's something like that. That seems to yeah. be the implication, yeah. And there's a reply to this tweet. It says... Some people will tell you it's because sunburn is inherent to white people. Those people are idiots and also say estrogen is anti-aging. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. Um, some people tell you it's because sunburn is inherent to white people. Those people are idiots and also say estrogen is anti-aging. I bring more stuff in. What do you? Yeah, what do you do? Like, <laughs> what do you? Irish do? people, Irish people in the 1800s definitely got sunburns. I have to think, and, and also since Victorian era, everyone's diet was shitty, right? They ate like shit. Uh, should we? Uh, let's continue on. Um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna leave the sunburn thing where it is because I'm not sure if we're gonna really make sense of that tonight or not, uh, or or ever would be the other thing. Um, who is uh, fire in a bottle? Um, I hadn't heard this thing about torpidity before, and that was sort of just like a novel thing where, very directly, it's like now it, it correlates to this like idea of like ultra sedentary lifestyles, and it's it's sort of implying that we're like in a mass state of hibernation, and that's all from eating these particular oils. Okay, I think um. Right. Torpidity, uh, inflammation, all of these things are kind of like they float around in like every diagnosis. Like if you're just not feeling well for whatever reason, you're going to be a little bit lethargic. That is kind of intuitive. I feel like the thing I've been trying to connect this week and in this on this topic in general is that it seems very clear that the plastic stuff is is real. It has measurable effects phthalates, PBAs, PCBs, uh, everything um, are xenoestrogens that have a negative effect on human fertility for both men and for, for women. So most uh, clearly evidenced by the 59% declining sperm counts between 73 and, and 2016 uh, or 17. That's from an Oxford study, also from uh, uh, Shanna uh, Swan. It's also present in miscarriages, which are increasing by 1% uh, every year. Uh, these are mostly in the Western world. 
Um, they're also uh, globally, we're losing 1% of fertility every year just because of runoff into the water supply. So those things are uh, accepted science um, from, you know, liberal universities and, and, and everything else, not really anything contentious. So I feel like the burden of proof here is to prove that seed oils, well, we know that they're xenoestrogens, but it's, it's, I guess, the amounts. Maybe, well, maybe this is when we have to talk about the taints and when the amounts then take on a different significance because you're talking about exposing, like, you know, as a, as a grown adult, you can be exposed to a small amount of a chemical, it'll have no effect. But if you're a fetus and you're exposed to a small amount of a chemical, it can have a, a very uh, literally measurable effect, if you know what I mean. Um, but I, I, Holly or David, have you uncovered anything in your research that indisputably connects seed oils to, I, I don't know, being a potent xenoestrogen outside of the development of a fetus? Is that a, is that a concise question enough? Do you do you know what I'm getting at? Like like what is the what is the burden of proof that pushes this over the line? I haven't necessarily found anything that I personally found convincing. I was more just like ethnographically sort of trying to like map how people were talking about it. Mm -hmm. um, but you do get some more crazy stuff when you get into like exoscience, like Nogolo Tesla, who we might talk about a little bit later. And in, in, in his mind, he's one of the big anti-plastic crusaders. Right. And for the, for the rest of the seed oil tweets, we can sort of skip through the rest of the examples just because I think we covered the basics just for the interest, in the interest of time. So Nagolo Tesla, he, he says, seed oils literally turn into plastic in your body. So the food that you consume, it becomes plastic in a sense, which I don't really know if there's evidence for that. But. <laughs> Holly, do you, do you, I just have to read some of these because they're like, they're too good. Um, let me, I'll, I'll, I'll go through them quickly and then we'll get down to, um, is, is Nogolo Tesla uh, later in the doc? Let me try and I'll buzz through some of these just so we cover all of them. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Romula says, new label for seed oils needs to be placed on bottles like cigarettes. Get the state of California to do one too. Okay. Um, Sure, sure. If seed oils uh, meet the criteria, why not? I think that's very reasonable. We'll talk about the difference in regulations between the EU and uh, the US later. Those are very troubling. Um, that's for the, the 2005 AGD. I don't want to give away too much because we'll get to that topic later. Uh, following, we have the path of the alpha. <laughs> nice. To all blue checkies that live life vicariously through me, my message is this. Shed your chains of soy. Trade crypto, practice day game, renounce all seed oils, create your own form of martial art by combining two other forms of martial arts, learn life. I feel like this is a little bit of a self-parody. A little bit of a joke. Yeah. It's a little bit of a joke, but it's nice. it sort of gives you, gives you a good glimpse into the type of guy that, the type of guy he's parodying is definitely a real type of guy. Totally, totally. Yeah, and we've got another sunburn one here. Uh, humans evolved to live in the sun without sunscreen and without industrialized chemicals and processed food and seed oils. The list goes on and on of how modern living is extremely different than what we evolved in. Uh, following tweet, the pod was our homes and the bugs were seed oil. I think maybe at this point it's important to bring up that one of the things that circulates in the Anprim conversations uh, very often is that, let's say, oh, I don't know, what, uh, like 40,000 years ago, something like that, uh, 
you can you can go back and you can uncover the primitive humans and look at how different their jaw is, how different their teeth, their bone density, their skeletal frame and everything. And then at the dawn of agriculture, they dramatically transform. Like the size of their stomachs changes because uh, previously we had to spend uh, we, if you can even call it we, um, fire uh, is kind of like a a way of pre-digesting. It break it literally breaks down some enzymes, and if you cook the food, it's easier to digest. So over the the following few thousand years, the the stomach shrinks, the body transforms, bones are not as dense because you're not doing as much uh, difficult, uh, dangerous work. You have agriculture, which is a more sedentary lifestyle. All of these things, there's like gradations that are certainly becoming more dense. That the transformation in the environment is increasing. But I find like when you go back for this stuff, like the argument that the temptation here to just like say the quiet part loud is that the the elites are like transforming human bodies in a way that is undesirable. And that is like, that's not a reactionary statement. Like that is actually like people should have bodily autonomy. And if there are undesirable chemicals in the in the environment, then they should be removed or people should be able to choose how they want to actualize themselves and whatever. But you're then tasked, if, if that's the argument that you want to go down, you have to posit a specific period of human existence that is the, you know, air quotes, natural type of a human. Uh, so you have to pick like, is it 1750? Is it 1850? Is it 1950? Is it... Uh, <laughs> 40,000 BC or like, you know, just what what is the period? And then essentially like the human body that you posit as natural is inextricably attached to an environment and what I would describe as a political economy, certainly after um, the, the Industrial Revolution. But, but previous to that, maybe we'll get to granoids later in the doc, even under feudalism, like there is a specific diet that transforms the human body in such a way that... To defend a sense of the natural, you have to defend the governmental structures, the social structures attached to all of the materials that feed and reproduce those people. Is that, I feel like I, I had to throw that in uh, uh, somewhere because I've just gone through too many Anprim threads of like looking at ancient bones and comparing them to like our teeth now and um, chewing the mastic gum and yeah, everything. Yeah, chewing the gum. It's true. Yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> I don't know. It seems right. It seems right. I, I I think that a lot of these. I I thought about this when I was looking at at these guys. Uh, and like, it seems like in this space, at least in this space of like the soul bra sort of bap sphere, they go back to like the the closest thing that they could see that is like has some kind of yeah like both healthy body. They're very physically oriented, but also sort of like a they have this. They sense the loss of a cohesive, like, sort of collective interior, like a cohesive culture, co a cohesive, like, thing. And they go back to, like, the last thing that they could see in their direct, like, whatever, like, blood lineage, whatever they think it is. And they pick that thing. And it's like, but when you look at the scope of human history, I think that these people would be, or it'd be a lot healthier, almost as, maybe not quite as anprims, but as something that, like, if you look at the scope of human history, they're talking about all this stuff like, oh, for like 99% of human history, like, you know, hunter gatherers, we ate this way, we did this kind of stuff. But it's like for 99% of human history, we were like the same, like there was no 
People also, it, also it, died at like 22. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they 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 plaster like a a sort of uh, Disneyland version on top of it, you know, uh, of course. But it still is like they could pick one that's further back that doesn't that isn't like some weird Nazi shit. Mm, but they, mm. they they pick like the closest one. At least this is my theory. Right yeah, now. yeah. We kind of talked about it with um in the Lindy stream too of like. Uh, essentially like the, the, the problem with trad is that there's this runaway effect where like <laughs> you want to go back to like a 1950s Madison Avenue campaign of what the nuclear family was. And it's like, that is such an unstable conception of traditionalism that it often bankrupts into people becoming like, okay, we're going to be monarchists or Ann Prims, or we'll just be Lindy cavemen or, or something like that. Um, yeah. Okay. There's so, there so many problems in all of those societies, you know. I mean, if you were there, it's just like I, I wasn't there, but well, maybe those, we have the ancestral memories. Yeah, but those societies were not without their. There's a reason that it didn't stick around, you know. I mean, they had deep issues and problems for individuals, and for any of these individuals, that if they happen to just be a random person at that time, it's mostly not so great. Doesn't seem like it. Yeah. And yeah, I think um, what Josh was sort of started bringing up too about um, this stuff about the body is a good segue into the next set of tweets. And this is where we start to get more into the sort of the Kaliak people, like our protagonist, quote unquote, for the night is like very much in that sphere of like the Indo-European traditionalist like revival along with like, you know, Sunny Vedic cyber god who's like down there as well um and they use this language they use this term grainoid the the oid suffix is um meant to sort of invoke like a racial categorization sort of like so, something like mongoloid would be like the antiquated term mm. for like particular like the people in like east asia for instance so it's like this like um, hearkening back to these like racial, like like scientific, like racial categorization. I thought they liked the is, Mongols. Though. Oh, they do. Oh, they, they do. do. It's, it's a good it's thing. It's just the it's just the language. So they don't. So green the Mongols that they like the like Central Asian steppe people that they liked were nomadic. They weren't they weren't agriculturist, uh, agriculturalists. Okay. So um, they are. They're using this language of grainoid to be like these are this is like a domesticated race. They're like they've been domesticated by agriculture, by grain, which is also that's language that you hear a lot with Anprims. The idea that like we are on some level like slaves to agriculture and stuff like that. Um, right, right. That yeah. uh, we were domesticated by by wheat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can I throw in um, an, another vocabulary term here? Phytoestrogens. Um, this is, I think this is essentially the implicit in the idea of being a grainoid, which is that your diet is no longer like meat or I don't know, something like high tea. And instead you are consuming more of a plant-based diet. And so you're consuming phytoestrogens, which are a, a subcategory of xenoestrogen. We would find this in uh, soy or all types of plants. That means uh, it doesn't occur through an animal. It occurs through a plant, uh, relatively straightforward. Is that, am I correct in that uh, assumption that those two two terms are, one is implying the other? Yeah, I think, and when we get the next tweet, um, yeah, like you said, it's 
I think that's definitely related. And depending on who's using the term, how they feel about um, high caste femboys, they might more or less like that interpretation. What, uh, a, tweet, what a time so- to be alive where that is a thing that we actually have to... <laughs> so this, this tweet from Sonny, one of the fa- one of the famous two like main people from Kaliak. Now this is this is sort of him taking it and throwing it on its head, where he's actually saying that be, the, the introduction of grain based diet resulted in hyperdimorphism, which um, makes for like ultra masculine men and ultra feminine women. This is huh. so like this this guy I you know. He's really racist, but I do feel for him because he's clearly got some gender stuff going on. But I think so. This is like his sort of little thread. He's talking about how like actually grain made us took us out of our like based like high caste like androgynous embodied self. Just like a, just a wow. complicated even more, you know. So well, what is is there a like? material subtext that there is some kind of endocrine disruption implicit in agriculture that becomes manifest as like more or less sexual dimorphism or is this i mean it i I wouldn't put it past this person to just like literally make shit up is the other thing it looks like there's maybe a citation here i'm not sure if that's actually worth getting into yeah and i mean you know it's it's basically it's like yeah, I think these people, definitely Sonny, he definitely picks and chooses a lot with his studies and is one of those people that's really good at like finding things that like support his pre-existing beliefs, which are usually about like, you should be like a, a wig nat, basically. But also a yeah, cutie fanboy. Um, yeah, you should be a, a you know, like we talked, that was sort of on the stream last week, the um, Nazi fanboys. He's kind of trying to reclaim reclaim that mm. a little bit. To reclaim it. <laughs> it that, it's been dragged through the mud and <laughs> just trying to restore the good name of Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. Should we should we talk about uh, AGD? I feel like we gotta we gotta address we we gotta bring it up. Yeah, let's get into it. Just 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 let's go ahead. Okay. Well, let me. Um, I'll give you. I'll give you my version of it that I. Uh, that I uncovered this week. So I, I, it's not anything new. You'll probably be familiar with it. Um, oh God, this is so uncomfortable to talk about. Um, AGD refers to anal genital distance. And in 2005, uh, Shanna Swan, the researcher who's responsible for a lot of this work, again, Berkeley, Mount Sinai, not some quack right-wing conspiracy theorist, found that uh, mostly through phthalates, which is that chemical that is present in all sorts of flexible plastic. So this can be in the lining of your cans. It could be in your soda bottles. It could be in um, any soft flexible plastic that encases food. It's on the receipts that you're, that they hand you when you go to the grocery store. It's in your shampoo. It's in any heavily scented perfume. It basically like makes things uh, slippery. Yeah, detergents. Yes. Uh, yeah, literally everything. So on EWG, one of the things that they, again, environmental working group, household and consumer products. So this is this is kind of what I was thinking about when I couldn't find the list before. Like it's in it's in all of your stuff. So in 2005, there was a study that 
measured oh my god i don't want to say <laughs> um can someone else do it i don't want uh it measured the distance between the ass and the uh genital opening in males and as the fetus develops there is a certain period within maybe it's the third or fourth week or something like this i forget exactly but there's a period where the fetus needs to be introduced to a significant amount of testosterone to, quote, quote, develop as a, a male. And without that introduction of testosterone in that critical period during the fetus's development, there is a measurable difference in the AGD, the anal genital distance, the taint, the gooch. Every, you know what I'm talking about. So... That study in 2005, which sounds very silly, there's a, there's a difference for mothers who are exposed to high amounts of phthalates and the AGD in their kids and their sperm counts correlating with about 40%, like really, really significant. Um, that the, the perineum, yes, thank you for the scientific term in the chat, um, that gets smaller. It gets, um, the AGD is, uh, is tighter, more feminine, like the, the genital opening in the anus is closer. Uh, and in males that were exposed, uh, or not exposed, sorry, to phthalates and exposed to the, you know, quote, proper amount of testosterone, that distance is, is greater. So this resulted in, the banning of a number of chemicals in children's toys that were termed reprotoxic. So this is not like a quack right-wing conspiracy thing, which is uh, trying to reassert a, a kind of bioessentialism. This is literally enshrined in law already. The differences between the US and the EU, so there's not anything that's measurable now, but um, the numbers are roughly that I think the US has 11 types of toxic phthalates, xenoestrogen type chemicals that occur in household products, 11 that are illegal. In the EU, there's over 11,000. So we're living in fucking Ancapistan Wild West, where companies are literally dumping at their pleasure using the cheapest shit imaginable and literally physically transforming the human body in a way that disproportionately affects <laughs> men. And that seems to be so uh, incredibly uh, robust in the, in the evidence, without lapsing into Lindy terms. I'm pulling up two articles here. This is from The Guardian recently, talking about Shanna Swan. This is the Aaron Brockovich uh, article we looked at uh, earlier. Plummeting sperm counts, shrinking penises, toxic chemicals threaten humanity. That is literally true. It Kids are born with smaller dicks. Uh, the AGD is smaller, the dicks are smaller, the sperm counts are lower. Another one for all of us good socialists and lefties is interviewing Shanna Swan again from The Intercept, Toxic Chemicals Threaten Humanity's Ability to Reproduce. So the book is called The Countdown. There's, there's plenty of her stuff that is available online. This is not new by any stretch of the imagination. But there's the original study in 2005, which uh, results in the banning of certain chemicals that were in children's toys and uh, soft plastics. And then there's the more recent study from a second round of funding, a second research project in 2016 about the plummeting sperm counts. But this is, as one might imagine, 
if you were <laughs> sensitive or insecure in your masculinity and you felt that you were being um, emasculated or feminized or uh, your position, your status position in society was being uh, compromised, this is like catnip for right-wing conspiracy lunatics. And I want to jump into root cause doctor. This is, is this on the dock somewhere here? Yeah, this is citing Swan and this is definitely like this is a person that Nogolo Tesla follows. This does kind of just go through it. Um, basically what you said, I just was linking it for people if they wanted to like. Look uh, it. Oh, we, yeah, yeah. We're on the same wavelength. Yeah. So I literally had that tweet. I think we exchanged it. Maybe you sent it to the chat. Yeah. yeah okay. So I'm just yeah. pulling it up on the stream here. But so in the let, let's just put this all in context. So as a person who's navigating the discourse online and you're in Twitter and you don't trust the mainstream media because they lie about everything and have sent us to now a generation of unnecessary foreign wars um, and literally are a cabal of pedophiles. All that's true. Um, <laughs> zero lies detected. So uh, you're going to see soul bra and you're going to see stuff about seed oils that is maybe less uh, legit, but you're also going to see this. So everything I said in the last five minutes is, is, is confirmed in law from liberal legitimate institutions. But then you're also going to see these crazy right wing people say this on Twitter. And it's the task is on, is thrust onto the young people navigating these spaces to determine truth from fiction. So let me just read this out in case people can't see it on the stream. This is from uh, a root cause doctor, xenoestrogens and baby. What's the big deal, she said, as she applied her heavily scented phthalate-containing cosmetic and sipped her plastic-lined coffee cup. Her first trimester results had arrived. It was a boy. What is endocrine disruption, anyway? And then there's a picture of a, a fetus, a little cute baby. Endocrine disruption happens when certain environmental chemicals mess with the hormone signals in the body. Xenoestrogens are a class of endocrine-disrupting compounds. They act like estrogen and interfere with testosterone production and signaling. Then we have a picture of a bunch of bottles. Right, so people might be familiar that under heat, the plastic bottles that a lot of like sodas or, or certain types of plastic uh, drinks and whatever, they can leak this material into it. So in food production, if, if you're using plastic flexible tubes, like IV bags, like in some of the, in, in that 2005 study, one of the main things it was linked to was Babies that were given um, intravenous fluids that for such a small uh, baby to allow all of those phthalates to leak from the flexible plastic into their blood system had a very negative effect in, in when they grew up. Uh, continuing on with the thread, phthalates are used in body products to hold artificial fragrance fragrances and are found in hairspray, perfume, moisturizer, moisturizers hidden on the label as fragrance or parfum. Bisphenol can be found in plastic bottles, food containers, lining of food cans, DVDs, and sales receipts. Endocrine disruption is a problem for all people at all times, but it's particularly harmful during the first trimester of pregnancy when baby's organs are being formed. In this case, phthalate compounds and bisphenol compounds will block the normal action of testosterone. Which organs during pregnancy rely on the right amount of testosterone at the exact time to grow properly? You guessed it, baby's genitals and testes. Too much estrogen and not enough testosterone messes with the proper growth of the baby's urogenital tract. 
Here's where things get interesting. Researcher Dr. Shanna Swan looked at the effect of maternal phthalate exposure on babies. She did so by measuring the distance between... Oh, God, wait, I can't... Oh, no. I'm gonna... I gotta take that off the screen for a second. I'm not gonna show a baby dick picture. It's, it's a drawing, but it, you know what I mean. Okay, so they're just describing what the, the AGD is. She did so by measuring the distance between the anus and genitals called the endogenital distance. And or colloquially, the gooch. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, that's the end of the thread. Okay. So, um, thank God. Oh, it goes on. Uh, Well, I... I, It doesn't matter. Is there more? Is there more? I I feel like we kind of covered it, but the... There's there's quite a bit more, but it's really... You get the idea, I think. Yeah. I I feel like the, the thing that I wanted to highlight is that the similarities between this thread that is totally legit from what liberals would consider legitimate sources contrast to the the seed oil stuff which is less substantiated but looks very similar and puts people in a position where when they distrust institutions that should be trustworthy that should be tasked with safeguarding the health of society uh, when those things appear to be compromised then um, it's kind of too much responsibility for individual consumers to parse these spaces and separate uh, fact from conspiracy. Because all of this seems, I mean, to me, like, okay, yeah, it makes sense. Like, uh, seed oils are, I don't know, I'm kind of, I'm like, maybe now I'm just like, I'm like a Woody Allen character, and I'm like terrified. But um, I kind of can't, <laughs> I can't like eat anything now without <laughs> having severe anxiety about it. Uh does anyone want to volunteer any thoughts on the 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 GQ, the Gooch um, question? I, I think, yeah. Um, there, this 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 thread here, it goes on and it it talks about it calls it a xenoestrogen crisis. I think it depend. There's like a sort of a um, spectrum with these things where it be it's more or less apparent, like how these how this research is being used. Some people are more overt about it, but like it, depending on, depending on what, who you're looking at, you'll see it more explicitly contextualized within sort of a political agenda that is around like, you know, stuff about population rates and maybe even some more sketchy things like great replacement type things. And obviously with a lot of these, there's like quite a bit to be like, this is obviously instrumentalized with in a lot of cases to towards trans women or trans people in general. And it's, it's, it's kind of like a nice way to explain these things. Like this is why people are trans and it, and it that lets people conveniently like put that into a box and be like, this is just like yet another like ill of modernity when like that was sort of, it was sort of like, they already had this agenda, this sort of like an anti trans agenda sort of and this can be really easily applied to that sort of thing that's really that's really all i was going to say about that that's it absolutely yeah yeah there's a, a serious hazard for um for confirmation bias for people who have a pre-existing uh very reactionary conception of gender to attribute everything to the chemicals in in the water rather than like yeah um can i if i can touch the third rail for a second here I feel like there's a point that we need to be consistent about um, that gets uncomfortably close to the great replacement, but is maybe diffused by the the type of conversation that I, I tried to give in the preamble, that it would not be inaccurate to say, I mean, it would 
not inaccurate. It would be factually correct to say that the quote feminizing effects that we're observing here are most observed, disproportionately observed in men in the Western world, specifically in the US more so than, than Europe, but also in Europe. So to say that Western men are being feminized or Western men are having lower T levels, lower sperm counts uh, is just literally factually correct and ver a verifiable reality that people who live in maybe the third world uh, elsewhere that doesn't have all of these consumer convenience products uh, that are full of phthalates will be uh, have higher T levels, higher sperm counts, and and all of that types of type of stuff. So that's just that's just the ground floor for reality, absent the emotional narratives that people put onto this stuff. I feel like there's a provocation in here that I want to make, which is again like this point of clarity that there's a possibility for people to take one of those divergent paths that this is intentional, that the elites are poisoning people to make them more docile, make them domesticated and controllable, and that they're doing it specifically to white men because, uh, you know, you know who is in charge or, or whatever. But um, I, I feel like the point, the point of friction that I want to exaggerate here is that in an earlier era of American life, and certainly of European life, there was literally social democracy in Europe. There was more of a welfare state in the US, although a very, you know, admittedly weak welfare state, but also empirically true that there was more testosterone, higher sperm counts, and more toxic masculinity back when there was a broader social safety net, more upward mobility, and whatever. So those two things are actually mutually exclusive. You can't have it both ways. If the problem with governance is that there's too many toxic men who are in charge of making big, important social decisions, the men now are measurably less men than they were back then. And back then had a softer uh, social safety net when people dropped out of the labor market, had more generous funding for welfare and generally taking care of society. So austerity is moving in one direction testosterone is moving in the other and those two curves literally cannot be connected because they're divergent <laughs> as a toxic male socialist i felt like it was important to th to mansplain my two cents for that uh bit there yeah no uh real objection to the way you frame that that sounds pretty accurate sounds accurate to me unless the elites are uh injecting child's blood i would think Children with like a very short taint would have to be the the ones that are allowed to do that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that the right wing conspiracy thing is true, but there is some element that you could think of like aristocrats versus sort of the plebs of like mm. what they consume and what they do and blah, blah, blah. And at this point, I don't think it's I think it's like too late. I think a lot of them are. Um, pretty much the same, you know, uh, they've been raised in the same society and uh, exposed to the same amount of uh, phthalates and all, all the other stuff. But of an earlier era, I could see that maybe in like the, in early modernity or something like that. But I, I feel like they, they still like just couldn't have known about that. So I think, I think that your assessment is, is correct. And it's, yeah, it's hard to square. I feel like the only thing we haven't covered is raw milk, which is 
kind of a second category. Is that accurate to say or am I missing? Because I I guess my understanding is that milk through um, recombinant bovine growth hormone also uh, contains potentially more or as much uh, estrogen as all of the other soy milks and oat milks and everything else. Is that is that inaccurate? Yeah, I think that's, I mean, growing up, like, I always heard that I always heard like people using people would say like the the use of hormones in dairy farming was responsible for like earlier onset menarche and like, you know, earlier periods, um, stuff like that, like earlier puberty in general. I think that seems pretty true. I mean, like that, I mean, maybe that's just the like, the common sense why people talked about it. But yeah, that definitely, that's definitely a factor here. And that, that is actually one of the clapbacks that Oatly makes against Milko Knot in the debate later on. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely relevant. Why don't we, well, yeah, I was just, I wanted to, um, I wanted to talk about Oatly. So maybe I just, I kind of scrolled through a bunch of things, but do you, do you think this is a fair place to start in the research? Or maybe we should go through the Milko Knot versus uh, Oatly thread or... Yeah, uh, Holly, please navigate us to, um, yeah, where do you think we should scroll in the doc? We can, you know, the raw milk stuff, I'll just go ahead and just quickly summarize please just do. a few of the important points about the milk so we can, because we have time, you know, we spent a long time on oils, but just to quickly summarize, like, some of the background for this milk stuff. So milk, you know, it's very, A, very Lindy, you know, there's people have, like, domesticated livestock for tens of thousands of years, I think. Um, but also at the same time, like there is a element of genetics that is involved with, with people's ability to digest milk. Like there are certain um, clusters of like genetic groups that have a higher tolerance for lactose. So to some of these people, like these, like the print, like milk or not, like I sort of mentioned is, pretty aligned with like the general like Kaliak like sphere and and they are really into tracing their ancestry all the way back to like the original quote unquote Aryans in like Central Asia, who, who of course came from um Hyperborea and then they traveled down real, to Central right. Asia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so for them, like, and you know, like they're doing like compare, they're, they're trying to prove this using like comparative mythology, like comparing different texts, like they're comparing the Vedas from what we, like the, which is like the basis for like what we call Hinduism today, sort of like pre, pre-Hinduism. Um, and they're comparing that to the like mythology of like people in Northern Europe to like the Eddas, like these particular like sets of like ancient, like poetry that were like passed on through the folk tradition so they're they're but they're at the same time as they're looking at like this genetic stuff they're all also looking at this mythology and using that as like a basis for you know their white supremacist sort of politics so yeah that's that's sort of the basis for what we're looking at today um it's very based in race and nationalism is people are esoteric hitlerists pretty much um people have probably seen the like um yeah uh, not protest footage or like uh, footage of like uh, nazis marching and like spitting milk all over the place it's like it's become a symbol yeah that was back in the luke turner days of uh, he will not replace us or he will not divide us 
That's, sorry, that was it was divide, but it's, yeah, 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 they they tend to mix together. Yeah, in front of the uh, that thing, I know. I remember a bunch of those guys, four chan guys, were like drinking milk from the jug. Exactly. Yeah, disgusting. Yeah, some of the links that we um, are probably not going to look at, but it was definitely very much that go mad type of you know mm. that vote that vibe that actually was like. That term was used in one of the articles I linked that was written by oh, really? this website called getrawmilk.com, which is, I, I I believe that, like, based on what I've read of them, they're pretty aligned with, like, the right-wing bodybuilder sort of scene on the internet. They're just, their mission is sort of to connect red-pilled people with their, with their raw milk, which is illegal. Like, raw milk is illegal, at least in the U.S. Right. But yeah, so... You know, lots to get into with milk. I know this is the milk stream, but I think yeah, we should, we could go ahead and get into the milk wars. Yeah, let's do, let's do it. Should we? Uh, am I at the right place here at the start of this thread? Yeah. Okay. So Oatly actually engages with uh, <laughs> our boy here. Okay. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, uh, Josh, go ahead and scroll up a little bit. We'll just take a look a little bit at. <laughs> at this guy and oh wow just oh i went past it okay oh here here it begins Um, oh no okay (laughs) it's a storied history the back and forth between oh my god does oatly just take the bait on everything who runs their social yeah god bless it turned okay so should i i'll should i read this out the image link you can go ahead and and click on it let me just really quickly read one short thing to introduce our our player here Olima Milkanot. Sure, sure. His his current pinned tweet on his his second account cuz this the original account got banned, but his new account his pinned tweet is this is a traditionalist R1A dairy autism supremacy animal lover hyper racist boiled meat fermented vegetable raw egg kefir pine pollen magnesium smoothie fueled Network spirit revivalism, terrorism, cyberstep shitposting account. If you don't like that, please unfollow me now. Very New online. ideology. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, very online. He's like a programmer. One of the guys that is like providing the infrastructure for people to get together and like talk about this shit. Like he's like coded a few like cha- like these different chat clients oh, to escape like the escape the platforms basically like to create like alternative spaces. Judging by the name Milk and Not, you can tell this is kind of like his main, one of his main interests and one of the places where that this is like the manifestation of his like form of white nationalism. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the interesting thing is that uh, whoever manages Oatly chooses to engage in it. Okay, so let's just, we'll go through the thread here. I'll try and do this uh, uh, expediently. So... We're looking at a tweet from Oatly in uh, January uh, 28 of this year. 75% of men, oh God, this is already going to be good. <laughs> 75% of men, 44 to 75, consider meat and dairy as either an essential part of their diet or, quote, part of their life. Need help talking to dad about milk? Go to Oatly.com slash help dad. Oh God, this is already, yeah. Okay, so Milk Not responds, Oatly is anti-nutrient water. You'll be shitting out more nutrients than you get from it. Europeans have been drinking milk for more than 10,000 years and oat, quote, milk for like 25. Time is the best filter. Okay, very Lindy. 
Hey, Princess Milkanot, Oatly responds. What a curious mind you have. We'd love to know where you got these remarkable insights. Our drinks are actually very healthy for you, packed with beta-glucans, glucans, whatever that is, which have been shown to lower cholesterol and stabilize insulin levels. Love, Oatly. Milkanot responds, why would I want to lower cholesterol? Cholesterol is required for tons of processes in the body, e.g. for sex, hormone production, synthesizing vitamin D from sunlight, building cells, etc. If anything, your oat drink skews the HDL slash LDL ratio in favor of the latter unhealthy. So that I have heard, I think that is actually true, that um, if you're trying to have a high tea diet, you actually do want to eat the egg yolks, lots of saturated fats. You don't want uh, low-fat cheese. You get like the full-fat yogurt. Um, so some of that does seem to, to validate. Uh, Milk and Not continues. So let me get this straight. You add rapeseed oil to your drink, then pasteurize it in an ultra-high temperature. That right there is a recipe for inflammation and eventually cancer. And this links to Science Direct, heated vegetable oils, and cardiovascular disease risk factors. Can somebody on the stream pull that up? Because if this is the connective tissue between um, hydrogenated oils and xenoestrogens, that would be huge. And that would be like the burden of proof to, to pill me on this shit. Continuing on. Okay, just uh, copy copy this down. I can't copy paste it because it's a screenshot. Heated vegetable oils and cardiovascular disease risk factors from Science Direct. Continuing uh, from Milk and Nut, all oatly, all oatly oat drinks are low in saturated fat, and the majority are rich in unsaturated fat too. Hundreds of thousands of years of natural history was wrong, question mark. All those years spent eating animal fat turned upside down by the food producers who knew better. Do we have, thank you, we've got a link in the chat here. Thank you, chat. I'm putting this to the side for now. We'll, we'll open it in a second. I've got it open, thank you. Oh, you add B12 to your... Oh, he's just going off. So Oatly is not engaging. <laughs> he's just like, he's just riffing on his own here. Oh, you add B12 to your products? Never mind the fact that supplementation of B12 is strongly linked to cancer, LOL. You need to get it from foods, i.e. animal products. Linking two other studies, we'll, we'll just pass on those for right now. How about the vitamin D you add? Vitamin D supplementation doesn't work and is likely just harmful. I know milk companies do this. I don't like that either. He's quoting himself for something. I'm LMAOing at how dare you claim to be environmentally sustainable when your entire product depends on large-scale agriculture, a non-regenerative, unsustainable process with chemical runoff into oceans, and hundreds of thousands of small mammals and birds killed each year. Okay. The raw milk from one cow amounts to like 15 to 30k kcal per day or more, and all it needs to do is eat grass, drink water, and shit, thereby regenerating the soil, which agriculture doesn't. One single cow can feed a large family. Oh shit, I am kind of getting pilled on this. Seems like all that grain slop makes you think you're smarter than nature, curious minds you have. How do you defend this, lol? And he's quoting something from Laura Young... Le at Less Waste Laura discovered that At Oatly has partnered with Blackstone, an investment company who own companies who are responsible for Amazon deforestation. I have done a full information post on Instagram and will from now on be moving my own purchases elsewhere. Okay, so Oatly has bad farming practices confirmed. That seems, uh, you know, not too much of a leap there that agriculture is like uh, terrible for the environment. So what is the remaining question here? Let's pull over this study for a second here. 
I realize there's more to the thread, so we're just we're going to skim this very quickly. Just what is the what is the upshot of this? Uh, let's read the abstract. Cardiovascular disease (CVD) is one of the leading major causes of morbidity and mortality worldwide. It may result from the interactions between multiple genetic and environmental factors, including sedentary lifestyle and dietary habits. The quality of dietary oils and fats have been widely recognized to be inextricable linked to the pathogenesis of CVD. Uh, what is this? This is about it's about. Um, cancer from oils. It's not it's not about xenoestrogens anywhere. Okay. Prolonged consumption of repeated of the repeatedly heated oil has been shown to increase blood pressure and total cholesterol, cause vascular inflammation as well as vascular charges which predispose to atherosclerosis, whatever that is. The harmful effect of heated oils is attributed to products generated from lipid oxidation during the heating process. In view of the potential hazard of oxidation products, therefore this review review article will provide an insight and awareness to the general public on the consumption of repeatedly heated oils, which is detrimental to health. And there's a graphic here. Can we just look at the download high-res? Can we just see it? Okay. Heating process results in lipid oxidation, results in reactive compounds, and... Vegetable oils result in cardioprotective functions going down and cardiovascular disease risk going up. Okay, so it's about, um, yeah, we all know that the heated oils are bad for you, but it's not necessarily about, I want the, I want the xenoestrogen connection to the hydrogenated oils. That's the thing that I really need in this. Okay, um, uh, navigating back to the doc, Holly, where should we, where should we go from here? Um, <laughs> the, next, the next one is pretty funny. <laughs> the, the, they, when, um, yeah, this next one's pretty funny. They're really, they really, okay, so they did go in. Um, let me see if I can open this in higher quality. Oh, that's the original. Okay, closing that out. Uh, a million tabs open right now. I think that, that link is underneath. Then Perfect, perfect. Uh, okay, here we go. So they did reply. Okay, I remember we, we had shared this a while ago. This is from February 5th. Sorry to break this to you, Milk or Not. We're not talking pigtailed milkmaids skipping through meadows. We're talking large modern industrial agriculture. There is a huge amount of embodied energy in it. The fields of grain grown for feed, artificial insemination, antibiotics, two of three, and the whole industrial process is not straight from the udder to your morning brew. We consume too much meat and dairy for the planet to handle. We believe to keep global temperature under 1.5 degrees warming, we need big action, two of three. Switching to plant-based is a shift most can make, and we're here to help facilitate that transaction. All the best, Oatly. Three of three. Wow. Well, okay. So that was more that was more measured, but the <laughs> the opening is pretty pretty funny. The pigtailed milkmaid skipping through the meadows. That's a that's a nice uh, flourish there. Yeah, and so um, oh uh, for God. the next for the next one, Milkanot quote tweets that snarky comment with a bunch more bunch more you know truth bombs, if you will. <laughs> a truth bomb. Okay, should we? Should we do them? Where I mean, all right, let's uh, let's do it. Let's go through it. I'm really just, I mean, I I can't get enough of this stuff. I'm like, a, I'm a sucker for it. Okay, Milk and Not responding. Oatly, your product promotes mass industrial production, which is the worst possible thing for the product for the environment. Sorry, regardless if it is meat or plant. Local farms of all kinds are sustainable. The CO2 transmissions from transport alone are the vast majority of your unsustainable output. Huh. Okay, that's uh, that's that's not too bad. That kind of makes sense. Industrial agriculture, which Oatly is dependent on and promotes, implies an absolute bloodbath for small mammals living 
small mammals living and birds living in and around the field so much for ethics. Okay, that's like, uh, yeah, you, you live in society, but you critique society. Hmm, I am very intelligent. Nature doesn't produce the amount of grain required, especially in Sweden where you also operate. So grain farms use tons of fertilizer that seeps into groundwater, rivers and lakes causing algae overgrowth, killing local lake ecosystems. Here are some photos of Sweden, all your fault. <laughs> okay, this is kind of just, uh, he's, he's um, personally uh, saddling uh, Oatly with the response for all of industrial society. And the pesticides you use keep insects and other pests away from your oats and rapeseed flowers cause a massive loss of biodiversity. We got some uh, people spraying chemicals on the on the stuff. Okay, I mean, all of this is like is true, but it doesn't actually have much to do with Oatly specifically, I feel like it's um, kind of a broad he's painting with broad strokes here. And before you hit me with that, everyone should go plant based bullshit. Again, how about the fact that 50% of land use land use for feed is unsuitable for crops? Your ridiculous idealism is an insult to nature herself. What is that? What? How about the fact that removing livestock would cause nutritional deficiency worldwide, but only reduce greenhouse gas emission minimally? Everyone can go plant-based, eh? Livestock is required for public health. You're actively promoting harmful ideas. I'm, so long as like one billionaire exists on the face of the fucking planet, I will never stop eating hamburgers. Like I will, I will die of a heart attack uh, until these people are taxed into non-existence. Like I, I refuse Having nothing, I refuse to compromise when there are people who have so much. So um, uh, critical support for Milka Knott in his uh, struggle against, struggle to continue eating meat. Okay, last two tweets here. Oh, and supplement B12, which your product contains, is strongly tied to lung cancer, and lack of animal-sourced B12 leads to brain damage in infants. Do you hate babies, LOL? <laughs> As he's just trying to bait another response. That's pretty good. You, uh, last tweet. Your industrial product is extremely harmful for the environment and poisonous to infants. Drinking Oatly is literally horrible for the human body and environment. And yet you sit here and patronize people with your creepy advertisements and obnoxious snark. How do you defend this? Okay. Okay. And it seems to have worked out for him. Oh my God. Uh, do they respond again? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, they do kind of. I don't. I think they might have quit responding to him. I think they're. <laughs> I think they might have been like, "We're not going to bother with this guy." But they did. They did, and keep continue to engage with other people on the thread. Yeah, they're kind of all piling on now. So we've got Solbra is jumping in, and um, Nagolo Tesla of uh, Exoscience. I feel like let's let's just read um, Nagolo's part here, and. We'll then like briefly talk about the leap from this one world into the world of exoscience and material reality to esotericism and um, what, if anything, connects those things. Okay, so the, the thread continues, but I'll try and I'll try and summarize uh, a little bit here. Oatly responds, uh, "Well, hello once again. We add, <laughs> God damn it." We add rapeseed oil because it has an excellent fat composition. Scientific studies conclude that healthy fats from veg and nut oils should make, make up part of a balanced diet. It has more unsaturated and less saturated fats than most plant oils. Okay, yeah, but does it have the xenoestrogens? Come on, man. That's a, Okay, so now Nagolo Tesla is jumping in. 
This this guy is also literally an artist, like graduated from Pratt or something like that. Graduated the website, from... The website's amazing. The website is great. It's extraordinary. Yeah, it's a really incredible piece. Yeah, so this, like conceivably, this person, you know, <laughs> could have been in the Discord and not, like a few key experiences, they could have turned out very different. Uh, okay, so... Um, uh, Tesla responds, these fatty acids, quote, in your hyper-processed sugar water will turn into plastic inside your body when they come into contact with a free radical. Oh, shit. Good thing there are no free radicals inside the body. Oh, wait. He continues, Google lipid polymerization and learn why rapeseed oil is historically used to paint boats because contact with air alone is enough to turn it into a thin layer of plastic, protecting the wood from the water. Okay, um, I'm googling lipid polymerization to learn why rapeseed oil is historically used to paint boats. Lipids create a unique type of a polymer known for being a key component of cell membranes and hormones, where most poly polymers are long chains of identical repeating carbon-containing molecules known as monomers. Monomers. Lipid polymers contain an additional non-identical molecule attached to each monomer chain. That didn't really do a lot for me. Okay. Lip Let me try it in quotes. Let me try it in quotes. I just searched the term. Yeah, polymer equals many monomers. I, I put that together. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you in, in the chat. Basically, like, when you, when a ex good example of this is like in a cast iron pan, like when it's seasoned, basically the oil becomes a pol like a polymer and it, it, that's that process. So it becomes like very bonded to the um, iron. I feel like he's sending us on a rabbit chase and there's probably a, a kernel of truth to what he's saying, but it's the suggestion is more powerful because I'm not pulling up a thing immediately. So I'm going to, I'm going to, give the benefit of the doubt just because uh, he's such a talented artist and um, assume that lipid polymerization is a real thing. I'm sus suspending disbelief right now. Um, and we'll continue on with the, the thread and see where this develops. I kind of want to skip the um, some of these people. Let's let's just concentrate on uh, on Tesla because I feel like we have to do a whole episode on exoscience because that is really, that's really the, so the gem. Good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's incredible it, for 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 bridging these things between the sort of uh, material, physical, bodily, uh, all this stuff with like the crazy esoteric, like right wing, reactionary, traditionalist stuff. Uh, that website in particular, his his stuff, does that. No way, it's like very powerful. Yeah, yeah. The the entry is like uh, just we're almost at the bottom of the dock here, but like um, you know, he's he's doing another thing here for. Uh, Sprout or whatever. This is some other uh, milk type of company. Uh, um, hey, Sprout official, pea milk. <laughs> pea milk. <laughs> God damn, I'm such an immature fucker. <laughs> pea milk. Um, everyone is very concerned about your pea protein. How are you extracting the protein from peas? You're not using the industrial neurotoxin hexane as a solvent, are you? And then they actually respond to him. Hey, Nikola Tesla, thanks for your concern. To answer your question, no, we don't use hexane in any capacity to extract our pea protein. Okay, so... Yeah, swing and a miss. Yeah, beyond this one. But I, I understand, so they're probably getting a lot of engagement from these accounts. So there's a pretty clear incentive to uh, 
to pull people in. But this is this is what I find so interesting about this stuff, that if you were like a pure esotericist, you would reject all forms of rationality, of empiricism, of verifiable science, of um, chemical interactions or, or whatever. So I find it very disingenuous when they start down this approach of like, citing someone like Shanna Swan and um, talking about endocrine disruption and, and all of these things that are legit, verifiable, and real. And then they send you to a website that says, eggs are shampoo, and you can control how your face looks. You can literally transform your bone structure using positive thinking. If you're ugly, it's your fault because you're an ugly person and you have bad thoughts. Like, that is such an incredible bridge between those two ideas that I have trouble squaring it. Well, when you go to exoscience, it like starts with like a, a stair step up into heaven, kind of. Like, I, I feel like it's part of the thing. Mm. It's like, like a, that that um, that animation where it, it takes you literally up a stair step and it's like around clouds and all this shit. And then there's like oh, all that kind of stuff on top of it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I don't know yeah, absolutely. There's, like, a major contradiction there. It's, like, especially with, like, Kaliak stuff, where you have them, they will simultaneously drop these, like, try to drop these truth bombs that have this, like, material basis in, like, science and stuff, but then they'll also turn around and say, like, like you know, Saturn is literally a god, and, <laughs> you know, we know that from the Vedas, it's just they do they want to do both, you know. What is right. the connection between Kaliak and these people? Are they intermeshed or how intermeshed are they? So, um Alima Milkanot, he is like he's in the he's definitely in the scene and if you if we look at the like all the websites down below, they all link to each other and like they link to like the different like sites that are about like Mia, BPD God and stuff and you know, they're all friends. Like, Sonny is, like, you know, mutuals with this guy, and they, like, interact a lot. They talk about, like, being, like, based Aryans and stuff, and it's very similar. They they, they talk, and if you... I've been... I've, like, kind of looked into... I've been in their chat, like, their private chat room and stuff, and looked at, like, them talking, and they are all, like, bros, basically. Yeah, there's only so many people in the, the circle, but they are, um, in terms of, like doing this research of like tracing radical ideas, they do come from like really small communities, like a, a group of people, 20 people can have a massive discursive impact if you plant the ideas in the right way. So actually like being in those spaces is, uh, is really important. I, I just realized in my notes, there was something I wanted to mention earlier, but I feel like this is maybe a connective thread between the idea that that canola oil will sit in your system forever and turn into plastic. There was something in the 2005 study called PFAs, and PFAs are perfluorooctanoic. Sorry, this is a tongue twister here. Perfluorooctanoic acid, and they were colloquially called forever chemicals. That um, it's a type of a plastic that doesn't break down and literally stays in your body forever. So there were some of the some of the phthalates are stored in fat that we had looked at earlier that like fed to livestock the there was a suggestion that like uh, uh, the chemicals would remain in their in their fat and then be passed down like that 
legit does happen with phthalates and the firstborn child, um, some of those will be stored in, um, in breast milk and in the breast tissue. And the first kid, say you have like two or three kids, the first kid will get a huge dose of phthalates that the mother has accumulated throughout their whole life, like passing it on, dumping it onto the first kid, but exhausting progressively throughout uh, the children that she breastfeeds throughout her life. So there will be a measurable distant difference in the first kid versus the second kid versus the third kid that will have the least. I was the first child, so that, that explains a lot, I guess. Uh, but also, I think our parents' generation were more relatively healthy because this stuff really kicks off in, well, 73 is when it starts, but it really, but maybe that does a lot because I feel like, I mean, I'm ready to be convinced on this stuff, but I feel like they're trying to make a bridge between xenoestrogens in vegetable oils and the verifiable stuff for plastic that I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm ready to be convinced. But I feel like knowing and having seen the other work that is totally esoteric and like spiritual and like a essentialist, like hyperstitional type of magic that you manifest reality through your thoughts type of thing. I'm not inclined to trust these people on the science. Uh, so, yeah, maybe maybe that will be, maybe that's enough for tonight. And then we can plan to get together in a bit and do like exoscience. And we'll have our um, uh, our, our other co-host, uh, Margo, back for the next one. Uh, any, any closing thoughts from uh, David or Holly? I think, you know, we, this is the tip of the iceberg on the stuff. These people are... You know, they're extreme nerds and they spend their entire time. They This is like all they do. Like they're not, they're Nazis, but they're not like organizing to create like a party. They're online reading about nutrition, which is a really interesting. I don't know. It's interesting that that is like the state of it on some level these days. It's almost like, I, I, I don't really know what it suggests about it other than the fact that there's like some capitalist realism going on with them as well. Where it's like you know, there if we if we can't like cre- recreate like hyperborea in like Sweden, we're gonna just like just drink the right milks and whatnot, I guess. Uh, yeah. When you were when you were talking earlier about the firstborn, firstborn children, I'm also a firstborn child, and I could see like in my younger brothers, like the youngest one seems the most like physically healthy and like kind of like he's the tallest one, he's the strongest one, so that kind of tracks in a very whatever way i also for some reason thought about uh does anybody remember from the trump era that guy sean spicer the uh he was like this oh what yeah. was it right, right. <laughs> press secretary press secretary yeah but he apparently like chews and swallows like a hundred pieces of like cinnamon gum per day and all gum besides uh the chad mastic gum is just like pure it's like plastic it just is plastic so that that man is swallowing like a shitload of plastic. Yeah, I thought about that as well. Well, um, yeah, David, to uh, maybe to ease your um, your worries, there is also a, an interesting tidbit here where if you're the firstborn child and you get those extra phthalates, so we've been a bit more feminized than our our younger siblings. It also has a a um, there's a dimorphic effect in language acquisition. So little girls are able to pick up language more effectively and more quickly than little boys. 
And observably, if you are exposed to a high concentration of phthalates at a young age, the little boys who encounter that pick up language at a, at a higher degree with a higher level of execution than, uh, than boys who are not. So, you know, they might be stronger and taller and maybe more Chad, but uh, they're not as smart as us. So we have that, we have that going for us. That's great. You know, Thank you. You know what Nick Land says about trans women? I'm not going to say it on the stream, but I do know. Um, but yes, he, has some, he might have a point. <laughs> oh, that's actually that's compelling. Yeah. Uh, somebody posted in the chat because I'm not sure. Um, the other thing I was going to say is just that, yeah, I think as Holly said, this is sort of like scratching the tip of the iceberg. And I think that especially when you kind of consider all the things that we talked about um, as far as like, the sort of potential uh, path of somebody that gets red-pilled on one of these things, which is very easy to get red-pilled on something like seed oils. Like, it's obvious. It's something that is, like, as we said, uh, studied by, you know, very legit scientists in liberal, like, normal, high-level publications. And yet, like, kind of normal people in, in this sphere will ignore this or, or, or kind of, like, uh, code it as, like, somehow everything that is diet, nutrition, fitness at this point is coded as right wing, inherently right wing. Um, but like getting into the thing of how this interplays, because we haven't, we haven't shown really any of these people's other beliefs and other, other parts of their worldview, which yeah. are crazy. You know, they're, they're, insane. Uh, they're insane and they're interesting to how to, um, just sort of tease that apart and and uh and, and and connect those dots and sort of even diffuse these things or even sort of yeah diffuse them by like i could see going in and uh and actually looking at at, at this stuff which i have um and you could even diffuse that i think like even the esoteric stuff because I, I have background in that so i'm i'm interested in, in kind of where this goes and i hope that we do more yeah. david i'm going to show on the stream i know that you can't hear it now because my audio is only coming through to the stream but i'm going to give our uh our dedicated viewers a preview of maybe the next do not research uh exploration of exoscience.com so in the background right now is a, a melody at 528 hertz which is the healing frequency which just by hearing hearing this, you are being spiritually healed from your your ailments. You are you are ascending, and I'll just read off a few of these so that people understand the full context of what we're talking about. That drifting from legitimate science, material analysis to sounds that can heal, grounding the hidden key to health. Raw eggs equals shampoo. You can choose how your face looks. The story of Cleve Baxter. Fluoride, bromide, and iodine. What they don't want you to know about water. What is orgone energy? What your eyes reveal about your health. Stop EMF with organite. Killed by doctors, leading cause of death. The phantom leaf effect. Can you affect random chance? 1,000 plus peer-reviewed studies on vaccine dangers. Black holes are not real. They can't hurt you. And maybe 
Maybe that's enough. Okay. Um, thank you, Holly and David, for joining me and for being so patient tonight as we go through all of these incredibly complicated but fascinating topics. Um, and yeah. Okay. Anything else that we should we should cover before we close out for our seed oil milk wars recap? Is there anything that we we didn't cover? I realize we do have more in the dock. You know, I think that was a pretty good start on that this topic. You can all, if you want to, just like DM me, and I have I have all this information. If you're curious, it's all interesting. Yeah, a lot enough. of the, a lot of the links that are at the bottom of this are really interesting. I mean, I know they're all in the same kind of group or same w- sort of. I kind of want to save them because I want to show them for the next the next episode. Oh, yeah. no, I agree. <laughs> Don't spoil yourself. I know. Or, I, I already gave us the the healing sound, so it's. Yeah. Somebody's at some point, hopefully in the next at some stream, we'll read Don Don's directory archive where he talks about the principles of of aristocrats proper use of drugs. Where he uh mm. has like a whole treaty that is like ninety eight things long or something about how uh abusing drugs is good. There you go. It's for aristocrats, if you are Okay. <laughs> Damn, they got me. <laughs> what about what about if you're not? You I can't do them then. Rats. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks so much, Josh, for having us on, and I love to talk about this stuff. So this was a treat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I'm so grateful. I had. I had a great time, and thank you so much for the the research. We'll find a way in the next update for DNR. We'll we'll throw a bunch of this stuff into the dock and put the pot up and everything. Yeah. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, David. It's always a blast and uh, more again soon. Yeah. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks guys. Night gang. Okay. Any other links in here? I'm just closing out of my massive, massive tabs. Then we'll get back to our, our regular stream stuff. Okay. So this is, let me check the time for the stream. That's the thing. Actually, y'all can't see my, Y'all can't see my <laughs> screen right now, but there is like a lot more. There's like so much more about this. I feel like, okay, if if someone sent me a link that indisputably proved that seed oils had the same effect as phthalates, I would be, it would literally push me over the edge that I would like redo my entire house and diet to avoid consuming those things. Like I would, I, I, I'm, th- I'm this close to it. I'm this close. So if you, if you're out there, if you're maybe not watching the tri- Twitch stream right now, if you're out there and you're listening to the podcast and you have a link that can connect those two things, then I will, I will, ch- I literally change my entire life. I was looking at testosterone supplements earlier today. Like I'm, I'm, I'm unbelievably, I'm like millimeters away from doing this.
Greetings, you Matrix One. 